Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you be ready for Jesus. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Adventology. As you know, everything we do on this podcast is designed to help you be ready for Jesus. And in today's episode, we are going to be getting into the topic of worship and whether or not God is really that particular about how we worship Him. We're also going to be getting into the topic of justice and attempting to begin to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And of course, the main characters of our episode today are Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were both the two eldest sons born to Adam and Eve, and we don't know much about them other Then that Cain, the Bible says, was a farmer, and Abel was a shepherd. Now, of course, because of sin, God had introduced the idea, the way that Adam and Eve were to worship him was to bring a sacrifice, right? We found that out in our last episode. We saw that God had commanded them to kill a lamb, and that sacrifice of that lamb was pointing forward to the eventual sacrifice of the Son of God. And so right there in the garden, we see that God clothed Adam and Eve with the skins of that sacrifice. And that was the way that they were to worship him. Now, after they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, they continued to come to the entrance to the garden, which the Bible says was guarded by a cherubim, and the cherubim would be standing guard, so there was no way for them to enter into the garden, but they could look into the garden, and they could remember what they had lost. And in that sense, the garden becomes a type of a sanctuary, you know, a place that represented communion with God, but because of sin, we had been separated from that communion. And so just as in the sanctuary system that was ordained later through Moses, the children of Adam and Eve would come to the entrance of the garden and offer sacrifice. Now, we don't know when or why, but eventually the Bible tells us that Cain became dissatisfied with following what God had commanded in terms of worship. So we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 3. And it says here, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So right here we get a picture of the two great classes of worshipers that have existed from this time and will continue to exist all the way till Jesus comes. Cain 
in offering the work of his own hands, but not following the commandment of God, represents the class of people who want to worship God on their terms. And they view worship as doing God a favor. And in doing God a favor, then they expect something in return for their sacrifice. And this is really the basis for almost all world religion today. It's based on works. It's based on your own effort. And all these religions of the world that promote this idea basically are teaching that the better you are, the more you give, then the more you will be blessed. And we even see this idea infiltrating Christianity, which uh, teaches that, you know, you just have to bring more to God and in doing so you're going to be blessed more in return. But that is not the basis for worship according to the Bible. We worship God because he is God, because he is our creator. And the one commandment in the Bible that talks about worship um, more than any other is the fourth commandment, right? It explains that we are to worship God when on the seventh day and why? Because he created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. So we see that God has always given us a clear description of how we are to worship. Just like Cain and Abel were given that description of bringing the lamb from the flock and yet Cain chose to not follow God's commandment and brought his own sacrifice, brought his own offering. And when God did not respect his offering, then we see that he became jealous and envious and angry at his brother Abel because Abel had followed the commandment of God and God had blessed his sacrifice in some way that was visible in a way that Cain's was not. And uh, I think this is so important when it comes down to this issue of worship. You see, so many people today will say, it doesn't matter how you worship God, just worship God. But this story right here tells us that God does care about how we worship him. God is concerned with the way that we worship him as well. Now, obviously, he is going to overlook ignorance when there is ignorance. But when there is opportunity to know the truth, when there has been a clear explanation and description and commandment given, and one disregards that because of its inconvenience, then there is no excuse. God is not going to bless an offering that does not align with his revealed will. And just like we mentioned, his revealed will is to worship him on the seventh day. So many people just assume that God doesn't care one way or the other as long as we worship him. But this is neglecting the biblical instruction on the topic of worship that we find over and over again. Yes, God wants us to worship him with our hearts, of course. And did Jesus come and criticize the Jews for the way they worship? Yes. 
they were worshiping on the correct day, but they weren't worshiping God with their hearts. But just because they weren't worshiping God with their hearts didn't mean that what they were doing in the actual day in which they were worshiping was wrong. God doesn't say one or the other, it's both. And when we go back to the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4, we find God giving instructions about worship that apply to everyone for all ages. And he says that God desires us to worship him in spirit and in truth. He wants us to worship him in sincerity and in the instruction that he has given us in his revealed will through the word of God. And so every time in the Bible we find someone who knew God's will but chose to disobey it and worship God in their own way did not receive a blessing and oftentimes received a curse instead. So what happened next? And we read, So the Lord God said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. I love this, you see, because God had a relationship with Cain up to this point, right? It's not like Cain hadn't had a upbringing, a teaching about the truth, loving parents who believed that he would be the next religious leader, the, the one to take the mantle from Adam and pass it down to the next generation. Adam and Eve had so much hope in their son Cain. And so God comes to him and tries to reason with him and tries to help him to see that his feelings although very strong, are the result of pride. And so this is the challenge when it comes to truth, right? When we don't want to hear the truth, our pride makes us angry. And so God is trying to reason with Cain, telling him, hey man, if you don't get a hold of this thing, this pride issue, it is going to overcome you. And that is true for us today as well. Friend, if we are struggling with sin and God is sending people into our lives to point us away from it or re receiving the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's because God loves us. It's because God wants to save us from making a decision that could ruin the rest of our lives and the lives of so many others. And we see that that was the case here in this story as well. God was not just trying to save Cain, but he was trying to save all those who would be influenced by him if he chose to go down the road that he was considering in his heart at that moment. Now, I'm sure Cain never thought that he would actually kill his brother Abel when he was struggling with these feelings in his heart. But friends, when we give ourselves over to sin, yes, we may think we have control over it, but eventually 
that sin takes control over us and we end up doing things we never thought we would do. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So here we find that puzzling question that comes up every time we study one of these types of stories in the Bible. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did God allow something bad to happen to someone so good? And even the deeper question is, why did Cain kill his brother to begin with? I mean, his brother hadn't done anything to him at all except follow what God had commanded him to do. And so the only way that we can come to an answer of this question isn't to speculate. It's to actually read what the Bible has to say about it. So we find one of the answers to this question in 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. And it says this, We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So here we come to a very important psychological element of spirituality. You see, when we disconnect ourselves from God, when we choose to go our own way, when we choose to make our own choices and dictate to God how we want to serve him and essentially make God a servant to our own will and and our own desires, then when someone comes along and actually follows the will of God and receives the blessing of God, then the guilt and shame that come upon the wicked as they are convicted in their heart that they are wrong is sometimes more than they can bear. Now, obviously, it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance, and so God bears along with the wicked and allows them to come to a point, hopefully, where they recognize that being prideful is not the answer. But more often than not, we find that the presence of the righteous infuriates the wicked, not necessarily because of what they are doing, but just because of who they are. As it's often said, misery loves company. And when we find someone who is trying to follow God, they often are persecuted by those who are not. They don't want to be reminded that they are disobeying God. They want to live in the bliss of their own fantasy about what reality is. And anyone that disrupts that fantasy becomes a threat to their way of life. And this is the sad truth. You know, God, of course, wants everyone to know the truth. He wants everyone to find salvation, but not everyone is looking for it. In fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, 
And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. And so right here we see the picture painted by Jesus of what was really going on in the heart of Cain. And what goes on in the heart of everyone who receives the truth, receives the message that God loves them and that God is calling them to a better way of life, but that better way involves giving up sin. And when men love sin, when men love darkness more than they love righteousness, more than they love the light, then they don't come into the light. They don't want to be exposed because they're not ready to give up what they are doing. And this has been the case throughout history. I mean, it's been the case in my own story and and probably in yours as well. There was a time in your life when you were convicted of the truth, but you resisted it, right? You were wanting what you wanted in your own life. You didn't want what God wanted for you. And even though God really wanted the best for you in that moment, in that time of your life, you couldn't see it. And all you wanted was to fulfill the desires of the heart, to fulfill the desires of the flesh. And the lie that Satan had told you, told me, we believed that the knowledge of the tree of good and evil was greater than the knowledge of God. And so the the question then that comes up after we read this story is, well, what happened to Cain after he killed Abel? You know, why was Cain allowed to live? Why didn't God implement justice for Cain in the moment right after killing his brother Abel? And so this forces us to take a step back and understand that the battle going on here on earth is not just a battle for earth. It's a battle for the universe. There are intelligent beings that exist in a multitude of planets and galaxies that are interested in this story. Why? Because the devil made an accusation against the character of God. And so God has to do everything in light of that accusation. He needs to do everything, not assuming that people will just trust his judgment, but that judgment has to be shown, has to be proven to be right. And so God, in allowing Cain to continue to live giving him mercy although receiving a mark was to show the results of what happens when sin is allowed to rule on this earth right of course the bible says he received this mark and of course the mark is a type or symbol of the wicked of the last days we know that but it's also a symbol of those who live out of harmony with God's law, right? Cain would not submit to the truth. 
And those living in the last days who receive the mark of the beast will not submit to the truth either. They would rather serve man than God. All right, well, we can't conclude this episode without talking about Abel, right? I mean, how unfair is it to Abel that he, just at the beginning of his life, doing what was right, was murdered in cold blood. In fact, he holds the distinction of being the first martyr for God's glory. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Although Abel died some 6,000 years ago, his testimony lives on to this very day. And while that doesn't make up for the wrong that was done to him, it does give us the confidence to know that God sees all and that we can't and won't until we get to heaven ourselves. Friend, do you have a loved one who was wronged like Abel? Maybe you have experienced something in your own life that was unfair, was unjust. Something was taken from you. Someone was taken from you. And because of that, you are tempted to question God's justice. You are questioning whether or not God truly loves you. If God is good and God is righteous and loving, why would he allow this to happen to me? The question is often asked. But the story of Abel is written to give us hope, right? The Bible tells us that the blood of Abel was crying out to God from the earth. And so what that says to me is although Abel was dead, his life continued to speak to God, right? His testimony continued to influence God and his testimony and his life continued to influence this earth. And that is true. You know, the book of Revelation talks about the blood of the martyrs crying out to God in Revelation chapter 6. And we find that God even speaks about the filling of this cup with the justice of God that has been going on since this time. And even during Jesus' day, he told the Jews who were living during that time that the cup that had been filling up was about to be drunk by the nation. We read about it in Luke chapter 11, verse 51, where Jesus says, From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple, yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation, right? And so we see that that was partially fulfilled when Jerusalem was destroyed. God had warned the people of Israel. He had tried to send messengers to them time and time again to repent, to change their ways, but ultimately they hardened their hearts and ultimately the whole city and nation were destroyed in 70 A.D., But we know that Israel is just a type 
of the world in the last days, everything that happened to them was a microcosm of what is going to happen to the world in the last days. The whole world is going to be given a revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the gospel will be preached to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people with a loud voice. And so just as the Jews all knew about Jesus, the world will all know about Jesus before he comes again. And just like the leaders in Jesus' day rejected the truth, so the leaders of the world will reject the truth in the last days. And because of their rejection of the truth, they will persecute the righteous, just like the Jews persecuted Jesus and the apostles, just like Cain persecuted Abel. We find that God's people in the last days will also be persecuted friend. Whatever it is that's been going on in your life, God is trying to get your attention today. Don't be like Cain who resisted and went on to make the worst decision of his life. Be like Abel. Surrender to God today. Worship him in spirit and truth. And when you do so, the promise is that God will be with you wherever you go and he will come again to take you home to be with him. All right, well, maybe you have a specific question about something we covered in today's episode. I want to encourage you once again to reach out to me at travis at adventology.com. You can email me your question. You can email me your comment. I also want to remind you that you can rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us there. It's free. We would really appreciate a review if you feel so obliged. A one to two sentence review saying how much you enjoy this podcast only helps others find the same blessing you have found. So thanks for doing that. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of Adventology. Be ready for Jesus. Speak life. Live love. Until next time. Maranatha.
Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back.